0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton,
1: originally airing on Sirius XM. Foundation, Arvind the reason that people are talking about India is massive digitization and financial inclusion that we have done over the last couple of years. Enjoy this week's show.
0: Welcome to Behind the Markets, here on Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. I'm Li Chen Ren, Director of Modern Alpha for Wisdom Tree, sitting in today for Jeremy Schwartz and Jeremy Siegel. Today, we have two experts on our show. We're going to talk about healthcare policy and health sector. For the second half of the show, we will have Dr. Mark McKellen, who is a former administrator of the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services and former commissioner of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, where he developed and implemented major reforms in health policy. Let's welcome our first guest now. She is Dr. Jo Yang, health policy advisor to the World Bank Group and the founder and CEO of Young & Partners. Dr. Yang has more than 10 years of experience advising healthcare po- policymakers in the U.S. and in China. She has consulted the 114th and 15th, 115th Congress regarding Medicare financing reform. Also consulted the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Recently, Dr. Yang has been actively working with health policy researchers and economists in China in the area of healthcare financing and delivery reform. She obtained her Ph.D. of health economics from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and taught at Emily University and the University of Florida. She has also published more than 30 articles in top peer-reviewed journals. Welcome to the show, Dr. Yang. Tell us
1: a little bit about yourself and your work. Oh, thank you, Li Tian. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Um, you have pretty much did the talk for me. So, um, you know, I'm a, I am ai have a Ph.D. in health economics and I have been working in academia and currently I'm working as a health policy advisor and a consultant to the World Bank Group. And I started my own business of Young and & Partners and I also... Um, the first, in the past one and a half years, I've been uh, actively participating in uh, working with, you know, Chinese health policymakers and health economists and building collaboration between China and the United States. So, you know, your next guest, Dr. Mark McClellan, has been working with me together uh, with the Ch- Chinese colleagues, and it has been a lot of fun. Thank
0: you. and. You've consulted with, uh, you know, a U.S. Congress as well. So tell us a little bit of your research and its findings.
1: Uh, when I was working as a faculty member at Emory University, and I um, had the chance to interact with um, those scholars, not only on the campus of Emory, uh, but also um, some colleagues um, um, in Washington, D.C., working in the D.C. think tanks. And, um, it's a very coincidence cool that I got to know, uh, Dr. Robert Moffitt at uh, Heritage Foundation. I had no clue about, you know, how Capitol Hill works, how it functions, or this and that. But, you know, I got to know Dr. Moffitt, and then we became friends and we talked about healthcare policies. And then with Dr. Moffitt introduction to a lot of colleagues in DC, uh, and, you know, legislators, I was, Introduced to my alleged, my congressman at that time was Doctor Tom Price because I live in you know, Georgia 6th congressional district and Tom Price is my doctor. Oh no, is my congressman. So I started to interact with um, Congressman Price and his you know um, DC office and I worked with him regarding you know healthcare policy and Medicare financing reform because I worked in that area. Uh, Dr. Tom Price was then the committee of House Budget Committee. It was the, uh, sorry, uh, Dr. Price then was the chairman of the House Budget Committee. And if you recall, you probably don't remember. We started the conversation in uh, 2012, 13, around that time. Um at that time, uh, it's before the, um before the 2012 presidential election, one big issue is what, you know, one big issue on the Capitol Hill was uh, the grand bargaining, quote unquote, grand bargaining, which means, you know, the federal government and President Obama wanted to do a, an overhaul of the federal um, budgeting system, which includes cutting entitlement costs or, say, you know, modernizing the entitlement system and then, um also with modification of the tax code. So basically the federal government's incoming expenditures to do both sides, which is called grand bargaining. It failed, but it, you know, it triggered my interest in doing Medicare policy, in particular financing reform. So I proposed, uh, some ideas to the Capitol Hill and I talked to Tom Price and I talked to Congressman Price and later, of course, we all know he served as the Secretary of Health and Human Services for a short period of time. Dr. Price is a wonderful person, he's a good congressman, and his staffs are very friendly. It was a very good experience working with the real policy makers, in particular as an immigrant, (laughs) you know. Originally, I thought, oh my God, it's the congress, it's the congressman. Then I went there, they're just human beings, and you know, and then the first time I went to you know, to a Dr. Um Prize office which is a local office in Georgia. I was so nervous and I was talking to him and he said, Why you're so nervous? He said, I work for you I said, Okay, you work for me <laughs> So so it was fun and then I interacted with with, you know, staff and, you know, of um, other committees, and I talked to uh, a lot of colleagues in uh, d c and in particular, I was introduced to Dr. Mclellan by um Dr. Moffat and his colleagues and Mark is a wonderful person, and we've been working together in the past years regarding the Chinese collaboration. He's a great person, so it has been fun and as for my Medicare reform, my approach is um was you know, more focused on the market-oriented reform to promote market-based, value-based care and then uh, encourage competition and give back on the power of choices to the patients and families instead of um, taking the power from them. Well, it was challenging and I was not very successful. Some people listen to me and, you know, like... You know, legislators were my colleagues. Some of them listen to me and think oh, you have a lot of point, but others told me that you know your idea probably won't fly because a lot because of a lot of reasons. We all know healthcare is complicated. So basically, what I was thinking is the healthcare system in the United States. No matter what you do, no matter what kind of health insurance you have, no matter you know um, how sick you are or how not sick you are, when you go to see the doctors and nurses. Um, you probably feel overwhelmed because I'm a health economist. I, I work with Congress. I talk to the Congress, and I interact with the former, you know, administrators of CMS. But when I walk into a doctor's office, I still feel overwhelmed because um, there are too many choices, and the health policy is hard to understand. And when I get a bill, I don't know where is the copayment coming from. It's not in, you know, the health plan I read. Uh, you know, it's kind of complicated. So I think this is my mission, I think. So that a lot of choices that have be been made, it seems that patients made the choices, but they are not really make those choices in one way or another where they're not make fully informed choices. So my vision is, you know, to give the patients more choices and uh, with more, with you know, simpler and more streamlining system. And, um, which return of the market, um, with, you know, return of the market to be more like, you know, competition based instead of an you know, opaque and a gigantic bureaucratic rent system, which, you know, you don't know what you're doing. So, but I knew that I was minority then, um, but for now, uh, you know, now I work with China, so I put the U.S. behind. (laughs) Who knows if I'm going to come back and work (laughs) with the United States again. I don't
0: know, yeah. No, no, thank you. I think, um, you know, we are also going to hear from uh, Dr. Mark McClellan in terms of his view. Healthcare is 20% of the economy. In S&P, you know, healthcare sector is, you know, close to 15%. So it's not going to go away. And, you know, we've we shown the market has its power, so I'm pretty sure in the future we will we will come back. And life, like you mentioned, is so incidental. You and I have similar background. We, you know, came from China where market has not always been the driving force. Uh, and and try to learn the, how it works in the U.S. It also eye opening for for me as well. Um, I I do you right now. You are a World World Bank healthcare consultant and. From your point of view, uh, what are the best practices that you have seen? You know, from different healthcare systems across the world. Um, not just you know, from um, probably take your view or from the market point of view.
1: Well, I feel like um, there is not a system that will be one fits all. If you look at the healthcare system across the globe, uh, different countries and nations, or even regions, they have. Um, they have a very deep historical and um, I would say national roots of their healthcare system. Like we like to, for example, we want to talk about the national, uh, the NHS of uh, UK, and we talk about the Canadian system. We talk about the Taiwan system. You know, if you look at the face value, it seems like there is a single payer. There's um, you know a universal health coverage. There's this and that. But if you go deeper, each system is different. There is not there is not a one system that works for everybody and uh, for every nation. So that this solution doesn't exist. So that you know, healthcare is complicated. But if you look at different nations, if you go down to the root, for each nation there are two key uh, issues for healthcare. First is healthcare financing. And the second is healthcare delivery. For the financing, um, of healthcare, it focuses on the, because, you know, health, we are dealing with the risks. You know, you don't know when you're going to be really sick or really sick and who's going to pay the bill. If, if you get, get a cancer that'll bankrupt your, your family or your bank account or this and that. So that comes social insurance and, you know, for the poor, for the sick, for this and that. So healthcare financing issue is the number one issue of all nations and it relates to what you pay, who pays and how how much do you pay. So for example, um, in the United States we spend the highest, you know, per capita around the world. But on uh, average per capita level, the government pays fifty percent of the healthcare around, you know, approximately. But in UK, uh the per capita cost is about half of the United States is about $4,000. In the United States, we're over, we're over $8,000. But in the UK, the per capita cost is about $4,000, but the government pays like 90%. So it's, you know, the NHS system is like that. And in China, the per capita healthcare cost is about $400, 420 to $450. And then the government pays around 220 to 250 dollars. So you can tell the system the spending level is um varies a lot. And then uh who pays what, you know <laughs> so first is how much you pay in total in healthcare and second is who pays what for how much. And besides the financing system, which closely relates to the financing is the delivery system. The delivery system relates to the organizational structure, um of the healthcare system is how the care is delivered to each individual, and then it, the the center of uh, the delivery system is the role of physicians, and on top of that, and the you know the distribution of resources like how you use the physicians, the technologies, the money, and you know other res- infrastructures and other resources, and it relates to efficiency and equity uh, of the use of resources. And you know if we sit here and talk forever uh if you bring experts from across the globe, everybody will complain their old healthcare system. And because no healthcare system is the best in the world, they all have problems and issues and of course the United States is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but but the funny thing is we go to China and Chinese people some Chinese scholars will tell you, you know what, you you guys are doing a really good job. All of this world. <laughs> So it's kinda of funny.
0: Thank you. Um, you're listening to Behind the Markets on Business Radio, Searing XM, Channel 132. I'm your host, Li Chen Ren, and my guest is Dr. Zhou Yang, Health Policy Advisor to the World Bank Group and the founder and CEO of Young and Partners. We are talking about healthcare policy and healthcare sector, both in China and the U.S. We have two experts who have been involved in both China and the US about the healthcare reform and as well as uh, healthcare um policy analysis. So, uh Dr. Yang, could you tell us uh, about your understanding of China's current healthcare policies and you know from the value uh, the, the the framework you mentioned, you know, healthcare financing and healthcare delivery, and what's really the possible road ahead and what are the you know, from people like me, what are the business opportunities for investors when trying to assessing to invest in Chinese healthcare industry?
1: Okay, that's a that's good question. First, it's a good question, and second, you know, uh, let me let me try to you know give you some, you know, um, tell you what I have learned in the past one and a half years when working with China, because I spent almost twenty years in the United States, although I was born and raised in Beijing. Um, but I my whole adult life was in the United States United States so I go back to China I went back to China one and a half years ago and start to relearn the system so first of all China is a very large country it ha- is you know it has the second largest population in the world and it's the second largest economy so China is not a country that is very that you can get with one visit or reading one book or talking to one expert. It's a country that's not very easy to understand. You know, I'm a Chinese, so you know, who living overseas for twenty years. I feel like I gotta learn. This is a learning process. But for the Chinese healthcare system, first I wanna say that China has no 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 doubtly, you know, absolutely achieved a lot in healthcare in the past decade. Uh, their public health system is is very good, it's superb, it's very effective, and we represented by very low infant mortality rate and very high immunization rate. And the Chinese average longevity has increased a lot. And if you look at the uh, World Bank data, China and Turkey and Estonia um, are among the countries that make the biggest leap in the past. 10 to 15 years regarding their healthcare system. So, China did a lot of things right in their healthcare system, um, in particular the public health area. And China has also greatly enhanced the health insurance coverage to serve um, as a safety net for their people. China, you know, they did the new corporation for the rural population, they did the, you know, urban residents and uh, um, uh, employees' health insurance, and it Provide coverage for people and give people a little, you know, peace of mind saying, you know, there is a health insurance over there because decades ago in China there was no such thing that's called health insurance. So it's there. But uh, Chinese healthcare problem right now, I think there are three major problems is first, the supply doesn't meet the demand because in China the healthcare demand is gigantic with a country of 1.3, 1.4 billion people and average longevity at 77, 78 years old, you know, the, the prevalence of chronic diseases and aging and, you know, long-term care is unlimited. But the supply is, 14, is falling behind so that you can see a lot of people, you know, they need health care, but they don't get it. And second is, um, the second problem is the health insurance management regulation in China still needs improvement. Because I talked to me and Dr. Um, McClellan and we talked to our Chinese colleagues. They're very super, super smart and friendly people, and they're learning very fast. They want to catch up with the Western countries regarding saying, you know, if we want to provide our Medicare and Medicaid uh, to our people, how we are going to do it? What Americans have done right and what Americans have done wrong, they did their research and they want to figure out what's the best pathway forward for China and then uh the third problem is the inequity, uh, inequity um and uh, you know healthcare resource allocation the the inequity and disparity in healthcare in China is still very obvious the you know all the resources are concentrated in the uh, cities in particular big cities and the primary healthcare systems and the supply chain or you know human resources are very weak in the rural area the government is aware of this problem, and they try to, you know, they're working on with all kinds of experts to solve the problem. And as for the investment, um, the, you know, the investment opportunities in Chinese healthcare, I would say is the, you know, I would say if I'm an investor, I have money, I will definitely seek opportunities in the Chinese healthcare market. Uh, first is that Chinese people's demand is unlimited. So Chinese people are willing to invest and spend in health care because of aging and chronic disease. So in this way, as long as there is demand, there is business opportunities. Uh, and on top of that, there is unlimited space of innovation in technology and health IT in China. Uh, you know, Chinese people, um, we all know where from China, <laughs> the IT industry is, is booming, and they did a lot of wonders, like the creation of WeChat and all kinds of things. I traveled back to China. I was astonished with how much you can do with your cell phone. It's definitely more than what we can do in the United States. And then it's so convenient. And, uh, for example, like the e-prescriptions in China, a lot of doctors are using that. Like, I see a doctor. I'm a primary care doctor. I see my patients. I just sent my... Um, prescriptions from my phone to the pharmacy and then three hours later the medication is delivered to your door so that's definitely something that the United States cannot do and we are not doing it right now maybe we're gonna do it later but in China has there definitely has some edge and very sharp edge in uh, the health IT and you know e-commerce and this kind of thing so there is an limited uh, space but on top of that I would say um, in 2018, that was last year, China started a new agency. It's called National Healthcare Security Administration, NHSA. This is the first government agency that's in charge of health insurance regulation and market, including including both social insurance and commercial, maybe commercial insurance down the road. Because China currently there is. I could, I can safely say, you know, the commercial insurance market is nonexistent or negligible. But with the starting of this agency, I think we should closely monitor the healthcare, in particular, healthcare financing and delivery reform in China and see where the government is going down the road because China definitely will spend more in healthcare. If they spend, um, this is my calculation. In the United States, we spend one fifth um, of their of our uh, you know of our GDP on healthcare. If China spends the same amount, and by the year of um, 2035, maybe when Chinese economy exceeds the United States, the Chinese health sector is supposed to be bigger than the United States. So currently, the Chinese the total economy of Chinese health sector is already about twice as UK because the total Healthcare is, uh, expenditure in UK, you uh, know, like, I think the data is a bit old, it's 2015. Um, in UK, is 200, maybe 240, 250 billion. In China, it's 460 billion in this range. So that the Chinese healthcare is already bigger than UK. But the per capita of Chinese healthcare expenditure is one tenth of UK. So that this market, use your imagination, how big this market will be and how much opportunities are there so that my recommendation is to focus you know pay attention to the health it industry in china and focus on their policy change and to see the road ahead and also closely monitor the u.s china trade negotiation um because you know part of the <laughs> the request from the united states is open up the service market open up, you know, uh, insurance market open up, you know, and also relates to the intellectual property issues. I think when the dust is more settled regarding the trade negotiation, we're going to have a more clear picture about, you know, how the government is going to approach in the healthcare upgrade in China. And by that time, probably the investors will have more confidence and peace of mind to engage in a, you know, uh, the opportunities in China. But I'm generally optimistic and I I encourage the investors to think about the Chinese market.
0: Yeah, thank you. I, and I think I... I- Completely agree. I think sometimes the headline news can be too dominated by short-term, uh, you know, trade conflicts, um, between U.S. and China, even though behind the scenes, there are still so much, uh, business and, uh, activities going on, uh, which, you know, requires, uh, us to go into the detail and understand that this new agency that you mentioned, um, could you illustrate a little bit more, like, What's the equivalent in the U.S. so that you know our listeners can understand a little bit when when they think about how they should monitor this uh, agency and their policies?
1: Um, in the United States, I think we all know what CMS is doing. It's you know the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. CMS is in charge of more than eight hundred billion dollar budget of our federal government every year. It's it's almost the same as Pentagon, so. In the United States, for our healthcare, our social insurance, what we call social insurance re entitlement, um, that's the government, you know, provided uh, financial protection and safety net, a safety net for our citizens. So in the United States, the model we're using is called government purchase. That means the transaction is between doctors and physicians, uh, doctors and patients, but the bill goes to CMS. And the CMS reimburses the doctors. The doctor doesn't work for the government because we all know the majority of uh, healthcare providers in the United States are private. So after, you know, you, you graduate from a medical school, you pass a board certificate so that you can practice medicine. That's the U.S. model. So the CMS is, that's how what CMS is doing. But in China, all the physicians are currently, before and now, they're officially government uh, uh, uh a public servant; they are officially work for the government. It's similar to the United Kingdom's NHS model, um, and then they're paid based on a salary. And then before uh, the, past, the last round of health care reform, I mean, China doesn't have the health insurance system or you know the government purchase model. It's basically saying. You know, the government give this amount of money to the public hospitals and tell them, you'll figure out what to do. And, of course, we can go on and on and on and on about how the difference between the two systems. But generally, China, traditionally, it has been a government appropriation system. It's under, you know, the former, more socialist-based economy. But after the economic reform, China has been more and more based on market-oriented solutions. So the new agency, if I have to make a comparison, I would say that will serve as the CMS of the United States. The equivalent agency will be the CMS of United States, but the function and the power of NHSA, um is way, 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 way smaller <laughs> than CMS because China is the system is different. But this agency, the creation, the establishment of the agency. Is an indicator that the government now realized that healthcare financing and healthcare delivery should be separated, um, so that with some check of balance. So I think it it'll be interesting to monitor how this agency is doing their job uh, down the road.
0: Thank you, Dr. Yang. Uh, this is really interesting because I believe, uh, you know, in China, so much of the investment opportunities are driven by policy. And, you know, it's really good to know that there are new agencies in this healthcare sector coming out that we should pay attention to. Um, thanks for being on the program. Uh, where can listeners find out more about your work?
1: So for my, um, work in the United States, you can just Google, or Google Scholar, Google me. Um, Of my publications is all public information and for my work with china currently we're not publishing anything because um we're still in the talking and knowing people and building trust um stage but down the road uh, i hope we can come up with some uh, uh uh you know publications and if people are interested they can take a look at the world bank report which is called deepening healthcare reform in china which has been—I uh, was not part of the study—and and here all all the conversations I, you know, all all these things I said on this video call, radio show only represent myself, doesn't rep- represent World Bank. But uh, the, the World Bank refer the report is called "Deepening Healthcare Reform in China." It has a lot of information regarding the healthcare system in China, and people—if people are interested it's public information. They can. You know, go to the, the bank website and search. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Markets podcast. If you want to learn more about WisdomTree, visit wisdomtree.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeremy D. Schwartz. I'd like to thank Patty Hall for producing our live program on SiriusXM, Channel 132, and our podcast producer, Daniel Bruno. Join us next week for another edition of the show.